going to be talking about surrendering all tonight. And you know, just recently, it was interesting because I was in my home and I was just going about my business, doing my own thing. And all of a sudden, I just began to hear something very violent blowing outside. I don't know if any of you heard that recent windstorm, but it was like a tornado. It was coming so fast and furious. I heard it. It sounded like a freight train. It came up on my porch, blew across my porch, took all the furniture. I have a long porch. It took all the furniture off the porch, blew it down off the porch, took the pillows and the cushions, blew it at least 500 feet down my driveway. Yes. And um, then it hit the back of my house. And as it hit the back of my house, I have a spa tub, and it hit the um, frame that's in front of it. You know, it's a wood piece with some molding, and it knocked the whole thing off the front of the, the bathtub. So it was quite a surprise. It was a suddenly, came out of nowhere to bring destruction. And you know, at, at first you just had to stand there, and you have to say, in the name of Jesus, because it was... Truly, that loud and that unexpected and what's going on. And so, you know, uh, you gather yourself up. You fix the lawn furniture and put it back up there. You pick up the plants, the pillows. You put the uh, thing back up on the tub and you keep going. Amen. And, you know, such as life, there's so many storms of life. The storms of life come to us all. And what you build your house on, what you build your life on, is going to determine how you will weather the storms of life. You know, the scripture talks about building your house, building your life, not on sand, but on the rock, on the rock of revelation knowledge, on the rock of the word of the living God. I'd like us to look at Luke, and I want to look at the scripture, because I'm telling you, this is not man's word. This is what God says. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 47 and 48. And it says this, Whosoever cometh to me, And heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built his house and dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, the streams beat vehemently upon that house and could not do what? It couldn't shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. It was anchored to a rock. And he that heareth and doeth not is like the man without a foundation. Who built a house upon the earth. And against which the streams did beat vehemently. And immediately what happened to that house? It fell. And the ruin of that house was what? It was great because it was not founded on the rock. Some storms, you see, they come from afar. And, you know, you might even have notice of them. And you might be able to prepare a little bit for them. And then other storms, they arise suddenly. And they're not expected. Like I talked about that windstorm a few moments ago. Those kind of violent storms come to our life because the enemy is out there working overtime. God is a good God. And God is a God who is always for you. But the storms of life, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But, hey, guess what? Be of good cheer because I've overcome them. You know, I like to say, um, I preached a message a while back about what shall I say to these things? Things? God is for me. You cannot be against me. And sometimes you have to speak to the things. 
whatever the things are. Amen? Amen. And so, um, Jesus, we remember the story of him being in the boat after he had ministered to a multitude of people. They got in the boat and they launched out into the deep and suddenly a storm came up. It was a seismos, the Bible says. And a seismos is where we get, you know, seismic, earthquakes. And it was something that came to destroy. And of course, we know the disciples were all shook up about it. And they were like, Jesus, wake up. He's in the back of the boat. He's sleeping. They're going, don't you care? We're in the storm. Our life is threatened. Don't you see me? Don't you know what I'm going through? Have you ever felt that way? Sure, we all have. But I'm telling you something. Jesus is present. And all he had to do was just stand up. And he helped them. And he spoke the word. And he said, what? What do you say to the storms of life? Peace. Be still. And sometimes that's what you have to speak to your own soul. Peace. Be still. To situations that you face that are before you. Peace. Be still. Everybody say it. Peace. Be still. So we know a mega storm came up, but then we also know a mega peace came up. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And there's a greater peace. Do you hear me? For every storm of life, there is a greater peace. And there is a grace that's equal to every circumstance. We receive it by faith. One of the keys I've found that's really important is that you may be in the boat and you may be in a storm, but just don't let the storm get in you. Amen? You know, just recently I experienced a storm that came up. One of those seismos that you did not expect. One of those suddenlies, like the windstorm on my porch. And I'm telling you, it knocked me off my faith feet. You know when you're down there and you're grasping for breath? (laughs) Well, I tell you, it takes a minute to catch it. But you will catch it. And you will stand back up on your faith feet. Yes? And you will keep on walking with God. Serving God. Loving God. So I just want to encourage you tonight. If you've gotten knocked off your faith feet, you're going to catch your breath. You're going to stand back up and you're going to begin to walk by faith again. Amen. Well, you know, we were here on Wednesday night and we were in worship. And I just want to share this with you because this is so important. It's important for you to be in church. I was in church. But physically... Uh, mentally, emotionally, I was probably somewhere else. And you know, sometimes when anxiety tries to take a hold of you, it'll affect you physically. It'll affect you emotionally. It'll affect you mentally. And I was standing there and I just was affected. I was feeling the effects of this storm that had suddenly arose. And we were singing that song, I Surrender All. And so by faith, I just stood there and I said, Lord, as an act of my will, I choose to worship you. And I choose, Lord, right now to surrender all. I'm going to surrender all to you. And what began to happen is, I began to think about all those things. Okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender all. Now, what can I surrender to you? And I'm thinking of practical things. What can I fast? What can I, you know, practical things. And as I was standing there saying, Lord, what could I give to you? What could I surrender? You know, ask the Holy Spirit because he knows some things about you that you need to know. And sometimes he needs to show you. And so that's why I was, that's why I was petitioning him for that. 
And as I was petitioning him, what can I surrender, Lord? I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, your fear. And I paused for a moment because I knew if I was going to surrender my fear and I was going to surrender all my fear, that meant I was going to take my hands off the situation. And so I said, okay, Lord, I surrender all. All to you, Lord. I surrender all the fear, all my fear, Lord, about this situation. I surrender it to you. The anxiety, the worry, the pain, the stress of it. I surrender. I give it to you, Lord. And as I gave that to Lord and surrendered to the Lord, all of that, just as suddenly as that wind blew on my porch, there was another wind that blew on me. And it was the wind of the Holy Spirit. And the peace of God just began to settle me. And it came all over me. And it rose up within me. That great peace of God. You know the peace of God? The kind that surpasses everything that you know in your mind, in your understanding, in your own thoughts, in your own ways. That peace. That peace. It garrisoned round about me. And it lifted me. God's peace will lift you. And it was so precious to me. But you know, before I even left the sanctuary, there was a thought that came knocking at my door. So I had a choice to make, a decision to make. I had to allow the peace of God to act as an empire. And to rule and to reign in my heart. And I had to say, you know what? I'm not taking that thought. No access in the name of Jesus. I refuse that thought. And every time the thought would come, I would make my way to the parking lot. The thought was present. I would resist it in the name of Jesus. Every thought that did not produce peace about the situation, I would simply, simply, simply not allow it. It's really not a hard thing to do. It's a decision. And when you decide to do it, you know, when you first decide, the thoughts just keep coming. Because you have this little pathway that you, you can create. But when you train yourself to resist thoughts of fear, doubt, despondency, unbelief, you know, it, you'll just develop another pathway. And you can travel on that. And it's a pathway where the, your feet touch the feet of faith and grace. Amen. Amen? And so, again, I walked to my car. I arrived home, laid down in my bed. As I slept, thoughts would come. As I awoke, present right here. But I just kept doing the same thing. I just kept saying, no, I will not grant access to fear. I will not grant access to hopelessness in this situation. I shall not. I will not. I choose not. And I keep building the road. Amen. And that's what we have to do. Because you know what our reasoning wants to do? That part of our soul wants to figure things out. It wants to analyze. It wants to strategize. It wants to fix things. But when you get your fingers into things, then you're limited by your fingers. But if you let the finger of God touch some things, I'm telling you, He's faithful. He's faithful. He will touch it and he will do for you by his grace what you cannot do for yourself.
And so, some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we're going to do what? We're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. It's a high tower. And we can run into it. We can take refuge. Anything else that you put your trust in, you're going to be left wanting. Peace and contentment will not be found. So, peace and joy, it doesn't come from the absence of troubles. It comes from the presence of God. Oh, we thank you, Father. We just lift up. Worship unto you, Lord. And we praise you. We thank you for your presence in this place tonight. That it comes down and settles upon each and every person. Enlist them in the areas of life, Lord, that we need to be lifted in. I tell you, if you do anything for God, anything bigger than your own hand, you need to be lifted. You don't even have to be going through a trial. You can just be believing God for something. And you need the hand of God. You need the joy of the Lord. What is the joy of the Lord? It is our strength. And God said that it's only in him when his joy comes into us that our joy can be complete. And that's true about peace too. It's only when his peace comes into your heart and soul that you can be in a place of shalom, shalom. Amen. Situations in life can be grievous. Perhaps you've experienced a storm that we're talking about tonight. It could be something that you had maybe a great expectation about. You know, we get lots of calls. And sometimes even today I was speaking to somebody that had a great expectation about a job. And then at the last minute did not get it. Did not get the position. And so uh, that great expectation turned and she lost hope. And then there was a great disappointment. And she was grieved in her heart deeply. But I want to encourage you in the midst of the storm, here's what you got to do. You just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on the word. You've got to stay focused and fixed. You know, grief is very real and it comes with loss of any kind. And there's so many different types of losses that we experience in our life that bring grief, that bring pain. But we grieve not as those that don't have hope. So the world, how does the world grieve? They grieve without hope. So that means fear. That means despair. That means Hopelessness, helplessness, anxiety. That's how the world grieves. But we grieve with a hope. It's a holy hope. It's holy. Because it has a confident expectation of good. A favorable, confident expectation that oh God in the midst of all this here's one thing I know I know that you are good and I know this I know you're good all the time and I know you're good to me and I know and I trust and I believe that your goodness is going to show up in the midst of this storm Glory to God. So I can take courage. I can take me some peace. I can have confidence in spite of everything, knowing that God is on my side. And if God be for me, things, things you cannot stand against me. 
You know, he will come, the Holy Spirit will come, and he will inhabit the places, and he will make a way in the wilderness. You know, when you feel lost, he will make a way in the wilderness. He will cause rivers, the rivers of life, to spring up in the dry and dead places. When you're parched, you just simply take a drink of the Holy Ghost and allow him to fill you. Because he says when you drink of the water of life that he gives, you will never thirst again. So drink in and drink up. It's a wonderful thing. Again, grief is hard work. And it's sometimes it's something you just want to run through. And there's situations in life that you can't run through. You've got to walk through. But I have a Psalms that says this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what? I will not fear. Amen. No fear here. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but know this, he is with you. And you can say, I shall not fear. He will restore your soul. He will. He just knows how to do it. So when you surrender all to him, he comes down and there's just a divine exchange like I was sharing with you, all of the junk and the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the pain and all that, exchanging for his presence and his peace. I don't know about you, but I just want to walk in, well, I want to walk in peace. Amen? Amen? Peace is present and it was pre- uh, precious and God bought that peace for us. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. Hallelujah. Psalms 23 in the MP 1650 version. I want to read it to you. So you probably just have to listen. You probably have to just close your eyes and listen because I don't think we have it. But it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll not want he makes me lie. He makes me lie. Excuse me. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green, he leadeth me. The quiet waters by. My soul, he doeth restore again, and make me to walk. Doeth he make? Makes me to walk. Doeth he make? He will fill your cup again. He will cause your cup to overflow with the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. And he will restore your life. He'll restore and it will be better than before. Because when you walk through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping... You, haha, you can make it a spring. And when you pass through, again, you got to walk through these things. You get over here and there's something about what you've been through that becomes something that God uses. And he uses it to bless others. So that you can step out and you can help others who are in pain and suffering. And that's what he does. It's a place of compassion that's birthed in you because by virtue of what you've gone through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I I just want to help people. And there's a lost and dying world out there. And they don't have Jesus. Oh, my. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Anyhow, getting back to what the Word of God says concerning storms, concerning times that we walk through that are difficult, I'll tell you, Isaiah 43, 2 in the NLT says this, When you go through the deep waters, God says, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. Do you believe that? Amen. 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 You can obtain the promises of God in the midst of the storm. You can be above it and not beneath it. You know, the situation may not change. The storm may be present, but it's different when you're standing above it, when it's not in you. Amen. Amen. Than when it's an, uh, on top of you and you're feeling crushed by the weight of it. So, you know, sometimes you say, Lord, you're the glory and you're the lifter of my head. And you're going to lift me up. And you're going to lift me out of. And you're going to put me into, amen? A new place. A new place in him. Hallelujah. There's countless stories throughout the word of God in history that will inspire you and strengthen your heart. And there's one that I want to start sharing with you tonight, and I believe we'll finish it perhaps maybe next week. But it's the story that beginned in a way that was, um, well, full of tragedy, full of despair, full of bitterness, full of death. But it didn't end that way. And so we're going to take it and we're going to break it down. Um, again, but God... But God, family, there's situations like the story that I'm about to share that start a certain way, but God will see to it. It ends another way. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to introduce to you the book of Ruth. When's the last time you went through that book? It's an awesome book, and there's people in it. We're going to break those uh, particular people down and talk about them and how they responded throughout this story. But the book of Ruth, Ruth came to a new place in a new time. And the story of Ruth is the story of a God who seeks what was lost and redeems what was forsaken. And it was taken place back in, I think it was 1200 to 1300 BC. It was marked at a time in history where there was violence, there was oppression, there was bloodshed, there was lawlessness. There was people doing what was right in their own sight. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Well, there was great famine in the land as a result. You know, when people don't follow the plan of God, the will of God, the word of God, it produces things like famine. And there was great famine in the land as the story begins. In um, Imelech was under great pressure, this man of God who was, you know, an Israelite. And, and here his, he is in this land where there's famine and he needs to feed his family. So he, fa- he, he felt this great pressure to find a solution to this problem. And as a result, he starts reasoning. He starts using what is logical. Well, I'm over here in the promised land. But over there in Moab, if I go over there, you know, I can feed my family. So he decides to venture out. He goes outside the boundaries of God's provision, seeking provision. And he gets over there into that land. And, you know, we just had that message on exchanging brass for gold. If you guys were not here Wednesday night... Get the CD by John, Pastor John, about exchanging brass for gold. And that's exactly what he did. He exchanged brass for gold because his heart became restless. And the reason why I want to tell you a little bit about this story is because in the midst of situations where you are shaken, your heart can become restless because you want the relief. You want to get it off. You want the answer. You feel the pressure. And so you begin to reason. 
what's it going to take? And so instead of asking God, God says, if you need wisdom, ask him. He gives to all men and he gives it liberally. If you just ask and ask in faith, you're going to receive the wisdom of God. And it will come through the counsel of, you know, his word, through his spirit, through sitting under your pastor. Remember, I tell you this all the time. If you receive a pastor in the name of a pastor, you receive a pastor's reward. What's the reward of a pastor? Well, the shepherd restores your soul. So be in church. And that was the other point. I was present in church the night that God rained down peace and glory on me. I wasn't at home under the bed with the covers over my head. When the storms of life come? No. I was present. Whether I felt like it or not. Remember what Jackie Hill Perry said? You can't trust your feelings. And every time you allow your feelings to govern how you see the word of God... That's what Amalekek was doing. He was allowing his feelings about the situation to govern how he saw what God's word said. God's word said, I'm going to provide for you. This is the promised land. But he wasn't patient. He started turning to his own self, his own reasoning to go outside the boundaries of God's law. And the thing that's so sad about it is he didn't guard his heart. His heart was restless. He wanted to do something. But not only did he take himself, he took his family. So what you do and the decisions you make, you know, they affect not just you, but those around you. And so they took off for this land of Moab. Now, Moab, that was the place, you remember, where Moses died? Yeah, and he's buried there somewhere in the mountains. Well, this place of Moab also was a place where um, originally Lot, his descendants, that's where Lot went to, and his sons and his daughters. Um, that seed was birthed in that place. But they began to follow other gods, which is what God warned them about. Why it's important to stay in your camp. Amen? Amen. Listening to what your God says and not another. And so, anyhow, they stepped out and they went, they left the house of Israel. What's the house of Israel called? Do you all know? The house of bread. So there was bread in the house. How do you access that bread? Through faith. It, 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 what he did is he departed from his faith. He departed from the word. And I'm telling you, this is easy to have happen if you don't stay focused on the word and make it final authority. Because the word is the only final authority. He departed and he went another way. And so he and Naomi, their two sons, and their wives, Ruth and Orpah, they all left for the land of Moab. And when they got out there in the land of Moab, it wasn't good. Because Emelechek died, his two sons died, and there was Naomi left with Ruth and Orpah, her two daughter-in-laws, trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do now? So again, there's a way that seems right into man. But it doesn't end up with life. It ends up with the absence of God's presence. So I'm telling you, when you're about to make a decision, take time to pray, to seek counsel. In the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Too many times we hear people that come and say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit and he's going to show me. Yes, I believe that. But... Godly counsel will confirm some things that you're seeing. And in the multitude of that counsel, there's safety. 
There's timing about things. Sometimes people get something in them and it's so strong, but it's not the right time. And they step out and it's not good. And so again, you know, we can't lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we've got to acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Glory to God. I think about Ruth. Ruth, of course, was one of the daughter-in-laws. And you probably know how the story goes. And we're going to get more in detail into this later. But just to give you a little idea. Of course, Ruth, you know, she was from a foreign land. And she was a Gentile. And she married into this family where the seed of David would spring forth from. And Ruth, you know... Her and Opa, they had a decision to make. A decision to leave Naomi. Because Naomi says, okay, there's nothing left for me. I'm going back to the land that I came from. There's nothing left for me here. And so they both wanted to go on this um, journey with her. But only one of them made it. One of them was sent back to Moab. That was Orpah, and she was never heard from again in the Bible. But Ruth, Ruth had a different spirit about her. And it's a spirit that we have to have. It was a spirit of commitment, a spirit of loyalty. And she said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Does that sound familiar? It sounds like something Mary said. Whatever he says to you, do it. So she told her mother-in-law, I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you live, I'm living. I will serve your God. Your God will be my God. And she was committed to her. And they left. Now, Ruth could have went back home. She could have lived pretty well. But Ruth did something that we're talking about tonight. Ruth surrendered all. She gave up all. I mean, she was going back to no promised land. Because there was no, there was no land for women who were married, who were not married to men. There was no promise. There was no land. And if you have no land, you have no provision, no inheritance, no husband, no future children. Not even Orpah, who was from her own homeland that at least got her a little bit. She wasn't even going on this journey. So Ruth surrendered all. And she she stepped out. She stepped out of her hopeless situation by faith. And she stepped into her harvest. Isn't that powerful? Because when she stepped into harvest, you know, there's things to do. There's harvest. And just like pastor was talking about today, there's a harvest for you. Your harvest. And she stepped into her harvest. And when she did, she began to faithfully work And as she worked, as we'll find out, she found purpose in harvest. And you too will find purpose in harvest. It probably wasn't her idea of what she wanted to do. But by chance, she made her way into a field. Now, back then they didn't have um, welfare systems. But what they did have is they had fields and the corner of the fields were left for the poor. And it was their type of welfare system. So she made her way into a field, this beautiful young lady, not knowing who was a part of that field, what was in that field, what awaited her, how she had to work. She had to, she had to glean the wheat from the corners of the fields so that they had food to eat. And so she went out there with the right heart and the right attitude. And she found herself in Boaz's land. 
in his field. She didn't know who he was. But God drew his eye to her. And as he drew his eye to her, favor, the favor of God, came on the scene. She's stepping out of this situation, this storm of life, where she's lost her husband, she's lost her father-in-law, she's lost everything to follow to the unknown, the unfamiliar place that she had not been before, she had not walked before, she had not lived before. And sometimes you have to leave the unfamiliar. You have to leave it behind. And you have to say, okay, God, I'm going with you. Where you go, I'm going. Where you live, I'm living. Oh, I'm going to serve you, God, with all my heart. And everything else, I just surrender all. And that's what Ruth did. And so she found favor in that field. And so you know, as the story goes, Boaz watched out after her. And he watched over her. And he told other ones, leave her alone. He protected her. And then it was so powerful because what she came to know was Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. What does that mean? He was kin to them. And back then, the law was the only way that you could recover all was through a kin. Was through a kinsman redeemer who would redeem back your inheritance, your land, your provision, your your protection, all that they had lost. And so Boaz, I'm telling you, the story is so beautiful. And we're going to talk more about it next week. But Boaz, he did something amazing that Jesus has done for us. He stepped up and he redeemed her life. And he took her for his own. Her and her mother-in-law recovered all in the midst of a situation that was absolutely hopeless where there was despair and death and despondency, where there was grief, God replaced it. And he replaced it with so much more than she could ever imagine. It was a beautiful story of redemption. And it's a story that we all have a a part of. Amen? Amen? Amen. In Christ, he is our redeemer. In Christ, we have recovered all. In Christ, hallelujah, we have our peace, we have our joy, we have our victory. And he takes us from victory to victory, from glory to glory, from purpose to purpose. God is a God who will increase you. There's never decrease with God, I'm telling you. He will increase the fruits of your righteousness. Amen? And he will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so I love the story of Ruth. I love the characters in it. I love how they respond to different situations in the story. And so I just want to encourage you. God always has someone there to come alongside, to help you in your time of need. And I I want you to know this, that he said it's not good for a man to be alone. If you're in a place where you need encouragement, where you need faith, where you need hope, don't draw back from God. Run to him. He is the one. And he will use people, I'm telling you, that will just have a word in due season that will be like, you know, those golden apples on that silver plate. It will be so good for your soul. And it will help you. And it will encourage you. And it will inspire courage within you to keep on going. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you so much for the opportunity 
to be those ones, Lord, that come alongside, that work in harvest, that puts our hand to the plow, that even though she didn't see where it was heading and where she was going, you saw it. You saw it ahead of time. And not only did you see it, you predestined it. Thank you, Lord, that we're not going to miss our day of visitation in harvest. We're not going to miss what you have prepared for us. Lord, we're going to pick up, put our hand to the plow, and we're going to work in the kingdom, and we're going to work with you, and we're going to work for you. And Lord, you're going to bless it, and you're going to cause great and glorious things to come out of it. Just like you did for Ruth, Lord. Just like you did for Ruth. You know, Ruth was the great-grandmother of David. And we know where the seed of David led. The seed of David led to Jesus. Think about it. When she was saying, I'm not going to leave you, I'm going with you. She didn't know what she was signing up for. But she's in the lineage of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was something that was impossible, that God made possible. Amen? Amen? Amen. And he's going to do that for you. He's going to make things possible. He's the God of the, you know, possibility. He can do all things, and he'll do all things in you and for you and through you. So, Father, we just thank you for the word tonight. We give you praise for it. We take hold of it. And, Lord, we choose to walk in it. And we'll walk in it, Lord, so that others can take the fruit and eat from it. They can receive from the peace. They can receive from the grace. They can receive from the strength. Do you know that people around you can borrow your strength? They can borrow your faith. They can borrow the grace of God on you. And it will help them. Now, they're going to have to get their own, but they're going to see something in you. And just by virtue of association with you, they'll be able to receive what you have. And so we thank you, Father. And we just surrender right now to you. We surrender all. Pastor Tom, can we just sing that song, please? Can we just... Just line our hearts up with the heart of God, with the will of God. Oh, Father, not our will, but your will be done. You know how to do it, and you do all things so well. So well. And so we come. And we just present to you all that's in our course, all the blessings, Lord, we present to you, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our potential, we surrender it to you. Father, in all the stresses of life, All those things that would try to cause us to be anxious. We surrender to you. We surrender all. So right now, between you and the Lord, As we sing this song, if you want to come to the altar, you can. It's good to lay things at the altar. So here's what I want you to do this week. Something comes up. Maybe it's something you need to do. Lord, I surrender to your wisdom concerning this matter. Lord, you grant me wisdom. I ask you for it. Your plan, your will. Your purposes. If a storm comes up, I want you to simply do what we talked about tonight. Lord, I surrender to your word. 
which is final authority in my life. And I just want you to keep allowing the words, I surrender. God has things for you to do. Will you surrender to it? He has places for you to go. Will you surrender to it? He has people for you to reach. Will you surrender to it? Amen. I surrender all. I tell you, when God's kingdom, the way up is down. You don't lose. As a matter of fact, he said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Amen. For what shall a man give to exchange his soul? Amen. What shall it profit him to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I surrender. Amen. I surrender. Glory to God. And when you take that step of faith, it'll be just like when they stepped onto that Jordan and the rivers parted. You have to take the step of faith and say, I can do this. I can do all things through him. He's going to give me strength. He's going to enable me to do it. And I'll do it one step at a time. Amen. Amen. How to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If you try to eat too big of a bite, you're going to choke. So walk it out one day at a time. There's grace for each day. Not beyond that. The children of Israel tried to save up the manna. What happened to it? It got mildewed. Because you can't do that. You can't take today's grace and use it for tomorrow. There's a different grace that's needed for that day. You got to trust him for it. Just take the grace that you need for today and walk in it. And he'll bring you through that valley of Baca. One step at a time. Amen. One bite at a time. Glory to God. It's possible to eat an elephant. One bite at a time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, we're going to go ahead and have you all go ahead and take your seats.